Welcome to Ask BBB, a weekly program produced by the Better Business Bureau serving Western Ontario. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Monica Brass. Monica is the Director of Marketing and Strategic Initiatives with BBB serving Western Ontario. Monica, there's a whole new year ahead of us. And besides keeping resolutions like weight loss, improving our exercise routine, a lot of us are just hoping to hang on until we're all safe from this pandemic. Yes, and staying safe, besides avoiding the virus, means also being alert to scams that circulate with the same tenacity as COVID seems to have. That is why we're encouraging people to sign up for BBB's Scam Alert. We'll bring you more information about that later in the program. And the new year is a time to lay out plans for the coming months. And pretty much any plan you make depends on having the resources you need to carry it through. So perhaps the first plan you make is a financial plan. This morning, we are joined by Ken Coombs, Certified Financial Planner with Select Path Benefit and Financial Services. Welcome to Ask BBB, Ken. Thanks, Monica. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. So, Ken, why should we consider consulting a financial planner to be able to think about some of you know, our strategy for the year? The, the main reason why people should consult a financial planner is because of the knowledge and the experience most of them have. Uh, we really only get one shot at saving money for retirement once you get to a certain point. And the experience that financial planners have, they, they have the ability to ask questions that you didn't even think you had to, to worry about. Um, we've got answers to questions you didn't even know you had. Um, the main part of what we do is to figure out what your goals are where you want to get to and how to get there. And the goals, the goals conversation that we have is usually the hardest one we have to, to have with clients because they don't really think past what do I have to do this year or what am I going to do in the next couple of years? We're asking people to figure out what they're going to do 15, 20, 30 years down the road. And those are answers that they don't have at the time. So we use our experience. We've retired people multiple times every year. We've been there. We know what works. We know what doesn't work. We kind of know where you need to be to fulfill the lifestyle that you want to have. If it's a big lifestyle, it's going to be a big number. We need to start saving now. If you just want to sit around and do some gardening or read books all day, then you're not going to need a very large number. You can enjoy life now and enjoy life later. But we have to get to that point and talking to somebody who's not directly connected to you. So talking to a spouse or talking to a friend, talking to somebody who's gone through the education, who's gone through the experience, who's done this with multiple clients beforehand is probably the best thing for you to do. You talked about um, now and then. So when we set up that financial plan, how do you set that balance between the current and the, the future lifestyle? It, it, exactly what you said. It all depends on the lifestyle. If you want to have a large lifestyle where you want to travel the world in the future, when you're able to, when the kids are out of the house, when you've got large income, your debts are all gone, then we need to take care of making sure that your lifestyle now fits with the amount of income and expenses you have and compare that to having less income and less expenses, but more travel time, more fun time, more lifestyle expenses. So it's a fine line. We still want you to be able to enjoy life now. We're not asking you to give up all of your, your lattes and dining out just so you can do that when you're 65 or 70. But it might mean pulling off on getting a new car for a couple of years to save those dollars to put into a retirement plan so it can grow for the future you so that you can buy that even better car when you're 65 years old. 
So, you know, sometimes people imagine that you have to have a certain income level to be able to reach out and consider setting up a plan. Is that really a reality or, you know, how accessible is this for everyone? Financial, if, if you have income or expenses and pay taxes, you need to have some sort of plan. If you don't, then you're probably going to be living paycheck to paycheck. So regardless of your income level, you should talk to somebody about setting up the best way to take whatever income you have, uh, paying as few taxes as possible and putting aside what you can for your future. Whether you make $20,000 a year or $2 million a year, you're still going to have expenses. You're still going to have the same kind of problems. They're just going to be different levels of problems. Ken, you mentioned uh, maybe putting off purchasing that vehicle uh, as part of the strategy. Uh, are there other things like that that, that uh, people just don't see until you go through the questioning with them that uh, they can still have a good lifestyle but change a few things here and there? Are there discoveries like that along the way? There are always discoveries like that. One of the tools that we use is a cash flow analysis. It basically, if for the last three to six months, here's the form, find a home for everything that you've actually spent money on. And a funny story, I had a client who said, I, I don't know where all my money's gone. We went through, we did this exercise and she had over $9,000 of miscellaneous. When we dug deeper, it was cash withdrawals because there was a Starbucks in the office that she worked and she was a two a day Starbucks user. She would take out 20 bucks in the morning. She'd buy a coffee and a donut on the way in and she'd buy a latte on the way out. This is 50 weeks a year. This is five days a week. And next thing you know, she racked up $9,000. It's like, oh, I had no idea I was spending that much money because it was just a cash withdrawal. And she just put it aside as, oh, I took out money for something. So like I said, don't stop your lattes, but maybe cut it down to one or maybe do like every couple of days instead of twice a day. So we were able to save her quite a few thousand dollars that she just put into her retirement plan for future her. Probably no different on the sugar and caffeine intake, but the investments did much better. And she's a lot happier now that we've actually found some money and she's starting to put herself on the road to retirement. So what are basic factors in an individual financial plan that people you know, should think about at any level? Okay. What most people think of when you say financial plan is money, investing, wealth management. That is one part of it, but probably the smallest part it's the it's the most uh, the taxing. It's the, it's the hardest one to do. Um, people want to save their money, get a good return and be able to retire in the future. But what they miss out on and what they aren't thinking about, which is where we come in, is risk management. So if you're disabled and can't make an income, we have insurance for that. If you're no longer with us because of an accident or because of health decline and you still have a family you need to take care of, we need to have something in place for that as well. Longer term planning is tax planning. If you are making a large amount of money or you have an investment that has done really well and you go to sell it, you have tax implications. The government's gonna get their cut no matter what you do. Our job is to figure out the best way to make sure that you keep most of your money based on business ownership, uh, estate ownership, um, if you own a, a rental income property or if you have a large investment that has done well over the last couple of years. And the last part is estate planning. So when you're no longer with us, the tax man still wants to get his cut that's going to be the first beneficiary of any estate. What we try to do is figure out the best way to get your money and your assets to the next generation while cutting out the tax man as much as possible. So that whole thing brought together is a full financial plan, 
which not a lot of people actually fully engage with us. As we go throughout the process, we start off with just the money side and then we add the other things in as they become available. Over a 10, 15 year period, yeah, we're gonna have risk planning, estate planning, tax planning and wealth planning. But to begin with, it looks daunting, but it's really just let's have a conversation about it to see where we can fill in the gaps. Our guest this morning is Ken Coombs, a certified financial planner with Select Path Benefits and Financial Services. After the break, what can happen if a business has no plan for when a key person retires, is disabled, or dies? Welcome again to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan with co-host Monica Braz, who is the Director of Marketing and Strategic Initiatives with BBB serving Western Ontario. Our guest this morning is Ken Coombs, a certified financial planner with Select Path Benefits and Financial Service. Ken, how important is it for small and medium-sized businesses to start thinking about having a long-term financial plan? I, I think it's it's very important at this point, um, at any point really in, in building a business. What happens when you're a business owner is you're turning a passion into income. And in order to protect that income and create an asset that you're going to eventually sell off or pass off to the next generation, you need to have some kind of end game in mind. And be that a financial plan that you sit down with a professional and we figure out based on revenue and based on growth and projections, um, or be that this is how much I want to put into it and this is where I want to go with it. You still need to sit down with somebody who is um, an unbiased representative who can look at it and say, well, this isn't going to work or this will work, or maybe you should try doing something like this if it works inside the business. If you're talking, if you're just trying to do it yourself, basically, you have you know in your mind i can do this i'm going to make six million dollars in the next year but if you're talking to a financial advisor or financial planner and looking at the situation they realize with taxes with costs with expenses it might not be feasible maybe we set that over a two-year plan then that resets your thinking uh, as a small business owner as well you talked about the the end plan and when you're doing day-to-day business and just uh, keeping things going sometimes that uh, might not come to mind, but what are the consequences uh, if a business owner doesn't have a plan that considers a sudden death, say, or a disability or retirement of the owner or, or a key person in that business? Absolutely. Yeah, the consequences. I, I've seen it before where a situation where two business partners are working together, they're 50-50 in the situation. One of them passes away. They didn't have the correct uh, plans put in place. The next thing you know, the partner's working with the the old partner's spouse who has absolutely no idea what's going on in the company, but is now a 50% owner. So consequences, if a business owner passes away or retires, if they are the heart of the organization, what's going to happen to the clientele? What's going to happen to the customers? What's going to happen to the business growth if the person who grew it to get to that point is no longer there? Same with a key person. If there's one salesperson or one account executive who's really steering the ship and something happens to them if they become disabled and can't work anymore, we need to replace that person. If they for some reason pass away, we need to replace that person and compensate the family and compensate the business for that loss of their productivity. So the consequences are pretty huge when it comes to business owners, key personnel, um, and you know around life disability and retirement situations. So if you know we're a small or medium sized business right now, we're listening to this, what are some of the strategies or key things that you would suggest businesses start thinking about and consider as a starting point? Uh, a lot of the strategies 
surround life insurance and disability insurance, especially when it comes to key personnel, either the business owner or a key salesman or a key executive. Um, one thing we could do for this for the business owners themselves, if there's a buy sell agreement in place, using insurance to offset the capital for for purchasing um, the shares from the deceased partner's estate. That makes sure that there is compensation for the deceased partner's family if they don't want to continue on in there, or there's money in the the corporation to go on and use that capital to find another person to come into it to replace that uh, um, other executive or the owner. Um, for key people, life insurance on them if they pass away, again, situation where it pays out to the family or we could have it pay out inside the corporation because there are going to be extra costs involved in replacing that key personnel. There's going to be a time lag where revenues might be down if it's a salesperson per se, um, or if we need to go out and hire somebody else, there's going to be costs associated with that as well. And same with disability insurance across the board. If it comes to a key person who's no longer able to work, we want to make sure we can provide income to them and income back to the company to replace that person while they're off. And with a buy-sell agreement, if somebody's been disabled for six six or seven months and start collecting disability insurance and are no, they're not going to come back to the business, we need to have something in place there that if they were a key part of ownership and they're no longer able to work with the company anymore, we need to talk about getting them replaced because they're not actually bringing their knowledge and their skills and their ability into the corporation anymore, which could have an impact on long-term revenue and growth. So how does a business owner assess the cost benefit of, of engaging a financial planning service like, uh, like Select Path? For that, you basically need to look at how much time you spend on your business and if you want to add in learning how to do financial planning, life insurance, wealth investment, and retirement planning all at the same time. Most small business owners I deal with um, probably work 15 to 20 hours a day, if not you know, all day on their business. At what point do they have to relearn how to do financial planning or learn about what the best life insurance policy is for them or their business? So what we try to do is you work in your business and you make yourself potentially wealthy and we'll work on ours to make sure that that wealth stays with you with the best products and plans and strategies that we know, because that's what we do. We know how to do this side, you do your side. So if you have the ability to do some of what we do, go ahead. The do-it-yourselfers, absolutely. If you can save the money and you know how, you have the know-how, go ahead and do it. But I don't think that a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of small businesses have the capacity to do everything that a financial planner can do and the team that backs us up because they're busy working on their own business, which is where they should be working. So when we think about credentials and certifications, um, you know, what are specific things that we should look for when we're trying to engage a financial planner? When working with a financial planner, you should be looking for the CFP designation, the Certified Financial Planning designation. It is an, uh, it's a lot of work to get that credential. It's, it's a lot of money at the, the advisor's expense to get there. And there's a lot of six hour testing that goes into getting those credentials and yearly upkeep. So as a CFP, we have to maintain a certain amount of education every year. So as the tax laws change, as insurance products change, as you know, rules around RSPs and tax-free savings accounts change, we have to stay on top of that. So we have the best, newest, current information available to us that some internets and blogs might not have. So if you're looking for, if you're looking to work with an advisor, 
working with a CFP is probably your best bet. Well, Ken, we want to thank you very much for taking time to uh, share some of your knowledge with us here this morning and uh, getting us started in 2021. I'm glad I could help. We've been talking to Ken Coombs, who is a certified financial planner with Select Path Benefits and Financial Services. And if you have further questions, you can uh, find Select Path listed in the BBB directory. Nobody plans to be scammed, but it happens. Scam Alert helps make sure it doesn't. Stay tuned to learn how you can stay alert. And we are back with more on Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Monica Brass. Monica, we've talked about BBB's scam tracker here and, and what an important tool it is in helping us avoid being scammed. But what is a scam alert? So Scam Alert is a free service of BBB across North America. If you sign up for Scam Alert, each Friday you will receive an email with information on current scams. It outlines the scam, how it works, and what to watch out for. So if we haven't taken time to access the Scam Tracker, the Scam Alert will keep you up to date. So, so what's an example of a Scam Alert? Well, once the COVID-19 vaccine was announced, the scammers started popping up. So the Scam Alert email put subscribers ahead of scams. So what's happening? Scammers are selling fake vaccines and other treatments. They're also out there with phishing messages that trick you into sharing your passwords and personal information. They impersonate the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the World Health Organization with emails that claim to have information about the disease. They also make robocalls impersonating government officials. So how do we spot a, a vaccine scam? Well, do your own research. First of all, none of the vaccines can currently be purchased online or in stores. So be very skeptical. These scammers are very creative and may lure you into believing that you've been selected as a special group. If it seems too good to be true, back away. And check with your family physician. Find out what your options are. Go onto the official government and health unit websites for information and be very careful on the internet as well. Check the URL. Scammers are very good and counterfeit websites are easy to find. So make sure that the URL ends in .ca and you know that it's specific to Canada. And also sometimes you can find the HTTPS um, S meaning that's a secure site. So, and that's just one of the COVID related scams that, that's out there. Yes, there are also clinical trial scams, contract tracing scams, counterfeit face masks. Those are just to name a few. And another one listed is the test kit fraud. It tricks you into providing your SIN number, date of birth, and other medical information uh, that they uh, scammers can use in, in future schemes. So what should we watch out for there? Well, if you do want to be tested to know whether or not you're carrying the virus, the best thing to do is to go, one, to, go to one of the official COVID-19 testing centers in your community. What the scammers are doing is making phone calls, usually a robocall that directs you to a website that looks like a clinic or a medical supply company offering COVID-19 tests. The site claims that the test can identify if you've been infected with the coronavirus, even if you've already recovered. Some of these even promise results in as little as 10 minutes. They tell you that to get a test, all you need to do is complete a form. Other versions of the scams just ask for credit card details. They go right to the chase, eh? So, so the first clue uh, that this is a fraud is the unsolicited phone call that you get. I guess the advice there is just hang up, eh? 
Absolutely. And if you want to know more about testing, make sure that you go to reliable sites to find information. Of course, we also recommend that you start at visiting bbb.org because you'll find links there to the official sites, as well as a wealth of information about the scam and others that are circulating at this time. You may also want to check out the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre for information about COVID-19 fraud and scams and how to protect yourself from those as well. So back to the scam alert. Uh, how do we sign up to receive that weekly email you talked about? Well, visit bbb.org and scroll to the bottom of the page and click on sign up for scam alerts. It sounds pretty straightforward. All you have to do is provide your name and your email address and you'll get the weekly scam alert. And of course, on the bbb.org website, you can access the business directory to find accredited businesses for all the products and services that you need. And Monica, that's all the time we have for Ask BBB this week. If you have a story about a business that has gone above and beyond during this unusual time, send us an email or you can contact us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at BBBWesternONT. And if you have a question or guest suggestion, tweet us at hashtag AskBBB. And if you're interested in becoming a BBB accredited business, visit us online at BBB.org and become part of one of the largest business networks in North America. And thanks for listening this morning. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Monica Braz. Remember, ask BBB. And start with trust.